Hello, Wanderers. We continue our tale of Sauron's rise to power in the Second and Third Ages. This episode is a breakdown of the tale called Of the Rings of Power and the Third Age, which is the very last tale in a book called The Silmarillion, written by J.R.R. Tolkien and published in 1977 after his death. A link to purchase The Silmarillion is in the show notes. Welcome! In the Lord of the Rings podcast, we wander the world of J.R.R. Tolkien by exploring the foundational epic stories from the deep past of Middle-earth. If you enjoyed Tolkien's books, or maybe Peter Jackson's movies, or perhaps you're excited for Amazon Studios' new series, The Rings of Power, and you want to dive deeper into the rich world of Middle-earth, then listen and subscribe. Bagovanian, fellow wanderers. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Today's episode date is August 11th. We are 22 days away from the debut of Amazon's Rings of Power series. On this day in Middle-earth, in the year 2941, Bilbo and the dwarves are traveling east through Mirkwood, while Gandalf has left them to attend to White Council business. In the year 3020, the Shire is being restored. This is adapted from the Today in Middle-earth History calendar on the OneRing.net. Let's check the map. These map checks are inspired by the beautiful maps that accompany the Lord of the Rings books, and I hope give you the context for today's story. If none of this makes sense, please listen to a few previous episodes and catch back up. It is the second age of Middle-earth. The kingdom of men known as Numenor is growing in power. The elves in Eregion have forged the great rings of power. However, Sauron laid claim on the rings and waged war in order to recover them from the elves. He stole the seven and the nine, but the three elven rings he did not find. Just a note before we go too far. In the next 20 minutes, we're going to cover more than 4,000 years of history, including the end of the second age and the beginning of the third age. So there's a lot being condensed here, but don't worry. Not all those who wander are lost. Returning to Mordor after being pushed back by the elven armies, Sauron increases his power among the men in the east and south of Middle-earth. He names himself Lord of the Earth, and the nations of men who serve him do so out of fear. He also began to gather all evil things that remained from Morgoth's reign, and in particular the orcs, quote, multiplied like flies. These years are known as the Black Years, yet they were also known as the Days of Flight because many of the elves abandoned Middle-earth and sailed into the west. Those who stayed, namely Elrond, Gilgalad, Galadriel, Celeborn, and Círdan, took to calling Sauron the Dark Lord, or simply the Enemy. And though Sauron's power grew, he dared not to assault the land of Linden or the Havens in the north. So he set aside his gold to destroy the elves and the Numenorians for a time, and instead spread his realm south and east, where to the men of those lands, Sauron was, quote, both king and god. These men out of the south received some attention in the two towers. As Frodo, Sam, and Gollum are looking at the Black Gate of Mordor, they suddenly hear trumpets ring, quote, The trumpets had not rung in challenge, but in greeting. This was no assault upon the Dark Lord by the men of Gondor, risen like avenging ghosts from the graves of Valar long passed away. These were men of other race, out of the wide Eastlands, gathering to the summons of their overlord. Golem would later describe them thus, quote, They are fierce, they have black eyes, and long black hair, and gold rings in their ears, yes, lots of beautiful gold, and some have red paint on their cheeks, and red cloaks, and their flags are red, and the tips of their spears, and they have round shields, yellow and black, with big spikes. Not nice, very cruel, wicked men they look, almost as bad as orcs, and much bigger. But the enemies of Sauron would enjoy a slight respite from his growing power. As we covered in previous episodes, Sauron would eventually faint surrender to the Numenorean king, 
and be taken as hostage to Numenor. But because of his cunning, he turned the Numenorians against the Valar, and in response, the world was changed. In consequence, Sauron's body was lost in the depths of the sea, but his spirit returned to his fortress in Mordor. And though he could no longer take upon him a fair and deceiving form, he sat in his tower and, quote, meditated war. With the downfall of Numenor, Elendil and his sons, Isildur and Anarion, land in Middle-earth and establish kingdoms. In the north, Elendil establishes Arnor. This kingdom was further inland than Linden, and Elendil developed a close allegiance with Gilgalad. This kingdom filled the land of Eriador, and even the Hobbit Shire was encompassed by Arnor. Several protective towers were built around the kingdom, including Amansul, or Weathertop, and the three elven towers in the west, An, Emin, Beriad. These three towers were raised by Gilgalad for his friend Elendil, and even get a shout-out in the prologue concerning hobbits in the Fellowship of the Ring. Quote, three elf towers of immemorial age were still to be seen on the tower hills beyond the western marches. They shone far off in the moonlight. The tallest was furthest away, standing alone upon a green mound. The hobbits of the West Farthing said that one could see the sea from the top of that tower, but no hobbit had ever been known to climb it. Elendil's sons established a kingdom in the south. Gondor, it was called, its chief cities being Osgiliath, Minas Anor, and Minas Ithil. Even Gollum can remember Minas Ithil before it became Minas Morgul. He describes it to Sam and Frodo in the two towers like this, quote, Tales out of the south, about the tall men with the shining eyes, and their houses like hills of stone, and the silver crown of their king and his white tree. Wonderful tales. They built very tall towers, and one they raised was silver white, and in it there was a stone like the moon, and round it were great white walls. Oh yes, there were many tales about the Tower of the Moon. Minas Anor, also called the Tower of the Setting Sun, would later become Minas Tirith. The Numenorians also built other marvelous works in the days of their power. Orthanc, the black tower that Saruman would later inhabit, Eric, where Aragorn would summon the army of the dead, and the Argonoth, those gigantic statues of Isildur and Anarion that the Fellowship passes through. The faithful Numenorians also brought heirlooms out of Numenor, including the seven stones known as the Palantiri, the sapling white tree from Nimloth, and I assume the ring of Badahir, which Galadriel's brother Finrod had gifted to Badahir and had passed to Baron and eventually to Aragorn. The white tree was planted in Isildur's tower, Minas Ithil, which stood on the borders of Mordor. The seven seeing stones were divided. Elendil took three, placing one in the towers on Imenberiad, Amansul, and his capital of Anuminias. Isildur and Anarion each took two stones, which they placed in Osgiliath, Minas Ithil, Minas Anor, and Orthanc. These seeing stones were used for communicating long distances, but each stone had another that it was connected with, so only by great strength of will could one turn the gaze of a Palantir elsewhere. If you remember in the Fellowship of the Ring movie, Gandalf is hesitant to use the seeing stones, saying, quote, They are not all accounted for. We do not know who else might be watching. In fact, the only palantiri that we see in the books are those that were placed at Orthanc, which Saruman used to communicate with Sauron, who undoubtedly had taken the stone from Minas Ithil. Denethor, steward of Gondor, had possession of the stone that was placed at Minas Anor, and would at times challenge Sauron, but he would eventually fall into despair. Thus the faithful Numenorians established their realms, quote, but ere many years had passed, it became manifest that their enemy, Sauron, had also returned. We're not done yet. If you like this episode, please leave a review and share with your friends. And remember to subscribe if you haven't already. We'll be right back. You can be the hero of your own Marvel Comics adventure. Marvel Strike Force is an extraordinary mobile game a haven for comic book enthusiasts and gamers alike. Lead your own fellowship of heroes and villains to battle against the forces of darkness that threaten the very fabric of the universe. From the menacing Doctor Doom to the formidable Apocalypse, 
Every battle is a chance to prove your mettle. And right now, Marvel Strike Force is commemorating its six-year anniversary. That means free rewards await those who heed the call and sign up today. With weekly events and bonuses, this anniversary celebration promises a treasure trove of special rewards. Rally your allies, sharpen your blades, and dive into the action of Marvel Strike Force today. Use code MAXPOOL to unlock free new treasures. That's code MAXPOOL, all one word, on the mobile game Marvel Strike Force. Now, back to wandering. Sauron had returned as a spirit from the downfall of Numenor, and in his dark tower he crafted a new shape for himself. Quote, and it was terrible, for his fair semblance had departed forever when he was cast into the abyss. With his ruling ring, he prepared for war against the elves and the Numenorians. In time, with the great force, he overran the fortress Minasithil and destroyed the white tree, but he sealed or escaped with his wife, sons, and another sapling of the tree. Anarion held Sauron's forces at bay at Asgiliath, while Isildur went north to gather aid from his father, Elindil. Elindil and Gilgalad counseled together and decided to unite against Sauron. They formed the last alliance and marched east, resting for a time in Imladris, or Rivendell, while more forces gathered. Quote, it is said that the host that was there assembled was fairer and more splendid in arms than any that had since been seen in Middle-earth, and none greater has been mustered since the host of the Valar went against Thangorodrim. The last alliance marches east and south. Sauron drew his forces to the north of Mordor, and the opposing armies met on Dagorlad, that is, the battle plain. Quote, All living things were divided in that day. All the elves fought against Sauron, while men fought on both sides, and even a few dwarves fought on both sides. But the people of Durin fought against Sauron. The Daggerlad would later be known as the Dead Marshes, through which Gollum would lead Frodo and Sam on their way to Mordor. Gollum says, quote, All dead, all rotten, elves and men and orcs. The Dead Marshes. There was a great battle long ago. Yes, so they told him when Smeagol was young. When I was young, before the Precious came, it was a great battle. Tall men with long swords and terrible elves, and orcs is shrieking. They fought on the plain for days and months at the Black Gates, but the marshes have grown since then, swallowed up the graves, always creeping, creeping. Gilgalad and Elendil have the victory. Sauron's forces retreat to Barad-dûr, where the last alliance lay siege for seven years. Eventually, Sauron himself came out to fight on the battlefield. There Gilgalad fell, and Elendil, but Isildur took up the shard of Narsil, his father's sword, and cut the ring from Sauron's hand. Quote, then Sauron was for that time vanquished, and he forsook his body, and his spirit fled far away and hid in waste places. Elrond gives a description of this war campaign in the chapter of the Council of Elrond in the Fellowship of the Rings. Quote, I was the herald of Gilgalad and marched with his host. I was at the Battle of Dagorlad before the Black Gate of Mordor, where we had the mastery. For the spear of Gilgalad and the sword of Elendil, Eglos and Narsil, none could withstand. I beheld the last combat on the slopes of Orodruin, where Gilgalad died and Elendil fell and Narsil broke beneath him. But Sauron himself was overthrown, and Isildur cut the ring from his hand with the hilt shard of his father's sword, and took it for his own. The fall of Sauron is counted as the beginning of the Third Age, and the end of the Black Years. The Dark Tower Baradur was thrown down, quote, yet its foundations remained, and it was not forgotten. The Numenorians set a watch and guard on the land, in case Sauron attempted to return. I'm struck by this description as Sam contemplates the Tower of Kirithungal, quote, as he gazed at it, suddenly Sam understood, almost with a shock, that this stronghold had been built not to keep enemies out of Mordor, but to keep them in. It was indeed one of the works of Gondor long ago, an eastern outpost of the defenses of Athelion, made when, after the last alliance, men of Western Essie kept watch on the evil land of Sauron, where his creatures still lurked. As you know, Isildur claimed the ring for himself. He planted the sapling of the white tree in Minas in honor of his brother, 
left the ruling of the southern kingdom to his nephew Melindil and traveled north to take up the ruling of the northern kingdom, but he never returned to the north. Believing all his foes were gone, he set no guard round his camp, but a troop of orcs waylaid him at the Misty Mountains and routed his army, killing his three eldest sons. Isildur plunged into the river, but, quote, the ring betrayed him and avenged its maker, for it slipped from his finger as he swam, and it was lost in the water. Only three of Isildur's people ever returned to the north. One was a squire who carried the shards of Narsil to Elrond in Rivendell. The kingdom of Anor in the north dwindled, until only a small remnant remained of the once proud people. These were the Dunedain, wanderers and rangers in the north. But the line of kings was unbroken, though their, quote, ancestry was forgotten. The kingdom of Gondor endured and prospered for many years, but they also mingled with other groups of men, and so eventually dwindled. The watch on Mordor waned, Minasithil fell to the Nazgul, and became Minas Morgul. Minas Anor became Minas Tirith, the line of kings failed, and the stewards ruled the city. The Rohirrim began to dwell in Rohan. The Three Rings preserved their realms, yet an understanding among the elves began to grow that should Sauron return and find his One Ring, then all things preserved by the Three would also begin to fade. Thus the time of the elves dwindled, while the dominion of men would begin. Then the Dark Lord rose again in Mirkwood, but it was checked by King Thranduil, the Sylvan Elf in the north of Mirkwood, and the power of Galadriel in Lothlorien. Quote, she herself was of the Noldor, and remembered the day before days in Valinor, and she was the mightiest and fairest of all the elves that remained in Middle-earth. About this time, the Istari first appeared in Middle-earth, which some called wizards. They came to Círdan, guardian of the havens, for they had been sent by the Valar, quote, to contest the power of Sauron if he should arise again, and to move elves and men and all living things of goodwill to valiant deeds. Chief among them was Kurunir, also called Saruman, and Mithrandir, called Gandalf. There was also Radagast and two others. The White Council was formed, its members being Galadriel, Elrond, Círdan, Mithrandir, and Kurunir. Kurunir was selected as head of the council, though Galadriel had advocated for Mithrandir. Too late would the White Council move against the Dark Power in Dol Guldur, in Mirkwood. But this is where Gandalf went when he left Bilbo and the dwarves to travel on the northern road through Mirkwood. And now the stage is set for the Fellowship of the Ring. The Dúnedain are wanderers in the wild, Gondor is ruled by the stewards, the dwarves reclaim Erebor, the ring is found by Gollum, then Bilbo, Sauron is pushed back to Mordor, Saruman contemplates how to achieve power for himself, Elrond and Galadriel hold evil at bay and preserve the realms of the elves, and Gandalf has many questions about Frodo's ring. Not until Sauron is finally overthrown and the One Ring is destroyed is it revealed that Gandalf was the keeper of the third elven ring. For when the wizards had appeared out of the west, Círdan the shipwright had recognized the nobility of Mithrandir, and had given him the Ring of Fire so that he could, quote, rekindle hearts to the valor of old in a world that grows chill. The time of the rings would end, and the three would pass into the west, finally ending their long defeat of Sauron. Their ship was, quote, borne upon the high airs above the mists of the world, and it passed into the ancient west, and an end has come for the Eldar of story and of song. And that is the end of the last tale in the Silmarillion. Congratulations! You've made it all the way through. Thank you for journeying with me into the wild unknown and wandering the world of J.R.R. Tolkien in the first, second, and third ages of Middle-earth, and even before the ages began. I'm reminded of Bilbo's poem about Aragorn, Not all those who wander are lost. I'll repeat my advice about reading the Silmarillion. To truly understand the scope and depth of the book, you'll need to read it more than once. The first time you read it, don't try to remember all the names and characters. Just try to get a high-level understanding of the structure and major events. The second time, Try to follow the storylines of the characters. Not everything will make sense, 
you'll need to bookmark the family trees in the index to keep it all straight, but it'll be more fun. The third time, you will feel the richness of the tales come to life. And the fourth time you read The Silmarillion, you'll feel like you're coming home. Thanks for listening. My friends, if you enjoyed this episode, let me know by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing with your friends. Follow me on Facebook or Instagram at Lore of the Rings Podcast. For feedback on the show, please email me using the link in the show notes. Until next Thursday, remember, not all those who wander are lost. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.